0: Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast creator network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat
1: double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans for today's edition of Around the Waffle. It may be cold and wet outside here in the West, but the action is only heating up after three rounds and what a weekend of waffle footy. It certainly was, and we're going to break it all down for you right here on Around the Waffle, if you are listening on wherever you get your podcasts or watching us on the Back Chat YouTube channel. My name is Paul Persick. It is always a great pleasure to have your company, and joining me once again, Taylor Cowper. Taylor, welcome to the show. Another big weekend of Waffle footy under the belts.
0: Was, Paul. I'm just um, kind of disappointed with some of my tipping, but we'll get to that a little bit (laughs) later on. But no, great weekend of footy. Got down to my first waffle game of the year, and I want to encourage everyone who, who does. The waffles Obviously, the footy commissioners obviously spent a lot of money on marketing and advertising to get people down to the game. So, yeah, it was a, it was a cracker. Really good. I'll get into that a bit later on.
1: While we're on that, it, the win-win waffle promotion, you would got to give a big tick after three rounds. I mean, we've had games on Saturday and games on the Sunday, and I was chatting with some members of the public over at Bassendine after the Swans-West Perth game, and the Sunday game seemed much more better for the league when you think about it. You know, keep some of the Saturday games on the traditional 2.10pm slot, but having those Sunday games as well brings in more eyeballs.
0: And I, and I reckon the uh, the AFL fixturing helps with that a little bit too. So on a Saturday, you've usually got a marquee game on a Saturday night, which means in Perth it's starting bang on five o'clock, uh, usually after the waffle finishes. So I think the Sunday games help from a fixturing point of view from the AFL, but I will be intrigued because I'm not going to divulge how much money the the Football Commission spent on the marketing for this win campaign. But I do know the figure. I want to see at the end of the year how, if that's actually converted into more people going along to the footy, it'll be interesting to see. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the Sunday games. It was good. Like I said, I had the fever on Saturday and I got to go down and watch a a a half of footy afterwards. So I think it was great. There were a lot of people down at that. Eastern or Eagles game, uh, a lot of people there to see Will Schofield wearing the number. I think it was eighty one. I think so. I don't think I've ever seen anyone wear right, yeah. eighty one in in any sort of footy. So no, but there was a lot of people down there, and usually an Eastern Mantle and Eagles game gets hardly anyone. So I think it's working
1: so far, but we'll uh, we'll see at the end of the season. Early ticks in the box for the West Australian Football Commission in this season. Let's get into the big news stories from round three on Around the Waffle. By the way, you can check us out on our socials as well. Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Give us a big like. We really appreciate it. Injury concerns at Swan Districts and at West Perth following that Sunday thriller. The Falcons victorious by seven points, but it came at a cost. Keegan Knott, they a dynamic forward. He limped off the ground in the third quarter with an ankle injury. And 2020 Sandov medalist Stan Swans' prolific midfielder Sam Fisher also limped off with a hamstring injury in that same quarter. A few question marks surrounding both the players.
0: Well, and Sam Fisher was doing pretty well up to that point as well. He had 16 disposals. And i tell you what, Paul, um, the, the, the team at the Swan Districts, all the officials, they must be spewing at the moment, they're losing two games at home. Um, it was it was a pretty uh, it, it was a very very close contest this one. They obviously only lost really by by a kick seven points in that game. But yeah, those two outs um, don't know how long they're going to be out for. You might know Paul a little bit more on that one. But they are two massive losses for the Swans for the rest of this season.
1: But also uh, from West Perth's point of view, it could leave a bit of a gaping hole in their forward line because for most of the game, Keegan Knott was held pretty quiet until the second half. kicked five goals but also you had the likes of Nathan Murray uh, coming into the forward line and providing such a clutch forward role when the game was pretty much in the balance so that gaping hole may be filled by Nathan Murray in the next couple of weeks when they've got big games against Subiaco yeah. and East Fremantle in the next fortnight
0: well they've got a massive the massive fortnight of footy coming up especially playing um East Fremantle I believe that games at the Wacker as well so That's right. um, is it is it at the Wacker that game
1: no, that's great So,
0: so yeah, no, they. they he's going to leave a gaping hole there. He only had, he only had the four disposals to the game, Keegan. Not obviously before, um, his injury that he sustained. And that East Fremantle defence, that is a great defence at the moment. So, yeah, at the moment, West Perth and East Fremantle, when they take on each other, they're both are uh, two and one at the moment. East Fremantle got Perth this weekend, so they will probably get. Uh, the win in that game and uh, I'm just trying to quickly look up, I haven't turned my attention to round four yet but I just had that one up in front of me. Um, so it will be a fascinating game and without, uh, not obviously in the forward line for West Perth against a pretty dominant defence from Eastern Manor when they play in the next couple of weeks, it will uh, it will be a gaping hole like you said Paul.
1: And against Subiaco at Pentanet Stadium next next week when they've got uh, Colton Falstrup, mm. who did a brilliant shutdown job on Jai Bolton, holding into 11 touches. We'll delve into that in depth a little later on. But case in point for Sam Fisher, likely could miss a vital game against South Fremantle, who are back on level playing terms. So they're counting the costs as far as the injuries over there at uh, uh, Falcon Land and at uh, Steel Blue Oval as well. Now, we talked about the Schofield exactly. comeback. You were there for a portion of that game. Mm. Is it a one-off or could we see an encore of the Schofield comeback <laughs> tour?
0: I reckon we might hear some news later on in the week that he might go around again. I think there's a lot of news coming out of the game that he did play. Well, he did play really well. He kicked that goal. There was a couple of times where I saw him, you know, we, we all know here at Chat what he's like. He can be a bit lit at times and he does have a little bit of fun, so... I reckon there will be a chance that he might come around again and he might play again for uh, the Eagles. But, no, he played really well. He hardly left the 50-metre line. He, he didn't really venture out of there too much. <laughs> um, but when he did, he, he was... It's like he, he did skip some beats, obviously. But, he, you know, I always say that when you come back and play footy after not playing for a long time, especially you've been at that elite AFL level coming down to the waffle when you're a little bit older... You know what you need to do. You understand where you need to go on the field, but you're about three or four steps slower than what you think in your mind you're capable of. So he played well. I think the role that he was needed to do there, which was to be a leader of the side, I think he, he definitely helped there. The body language from the Eagles is was pretty good. So I think from that point of view, it worked.
1: That's a small step that the Eagles can be proud of. You know, Get those small steps in. Have Schofield mm. come in. Not just, you know, to be, you know, a spoke on the wheel, as they say, playing his role up forward, but also playing such a vital mentoring and leadership role. So a lot of those young kids that are eager to get uh, to get a game, not only at the Eagles' waffle side, but also at the next level as well, given the amount of injuries that they have suffered over the last 12 months.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So hopefully it is the right step in the right direction. That's all I wanted to see from the Eagles, is just obviously give a little bit. Yes, they lost by over 100, but there was effort. They played really well in the third quarter, actually. The West Coast Seagulls, the effort was there. The intent was there. Eastry Manor ran over them in, in in the other three quarters. But the third quarter was pretty um pretty impressive. So, yeah, well, hopefully we'll see them continue that. And you just want to see them kind of in the next couple of weeks do a half of really good footy. And then hopefully that just turns into a full game. But, yeah, no, Will did what he needed to do. And
1: They have a big test against Claremont at Rebo Fitness Stadium this coming Sunday. Now, we're only a month away from the State game that will be taking place at the Adelaide Oval on Friday night, May the 19th. And after round three, the State squad was announced. Taylor, 34-man squad that will uh, stake their claim for a spot in the 22 when they jet off to Adelaide in late May for what is going to be a huge contest over there as WA look to uh, reclaim the Hayden Bunton Cup that they haven't won in four years. Joel Weston and Taj Schofield are among the youngest players in that squad. Of course, Taj Schofield played with Subiaco, uh, over the past weekend. West Perth and Claremont have got 10 players between them. And East Perth's unbeaten start to the season sees them rewarded with five players, among those Brayshaw and Mitch Crowden. Now, this is a state squad, Taylor, that I have to say is blending with youth and experience and could be the side that could take back mm. the Hayton Button Cup.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. It is a um, a side that does have a blend of really a lot of experience and a really, really good mix of youth in there as well. And, you know, there's a lot of those sides that are up the top end of the ladder as we look at it right now. Paul, That got some players in there. Um, so, yeah, you know, East Perth, they've got a few in there. From I think, um, like you mentioned, Mitch Crowden is in there. Good to see Jack Buller in there as well. Um, I thought that was a great selection. We've spoken about him on this podcast a little bit. So, great inclusion for Claremont with him there. Um, I like the inclusion of... Um, who was I reading the other even though he hasn't played or he's only played the one game, John o. Marsh from Eastwood Man was in that side as well. And also um, the, the one that when we're talking about youth and, and kind of around that 50, 60 game mark, I know you like and Milan Murdoch into the side as well, into that state team. So a lot of those players that have been playing really consistent footy, Taj Schofield's in there as well. Um, even Angus at East Perth as well. I always say his name wrong, but I'm sure you'll um, you'll help me out there, Paul. Angus uh, Schumacher. Angus, uh, yes. So it is like the uh, the Ferrari driver. <laughs> but um, no, he, he they've played so that a lot of those players that have played really consistent footy oh. for the last couple of years are getting rewarded. So um, that's that's fantastic. One player, I believe, from Perth, Paul, and that was um, Michael Sinclair. So good to Correct. see him rewarded too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sinclair's yeah. had a consistent so start yeah, great season. Side. Yeah, to yeah. this season, over 30 possessions. Great side it is. Over 30 possessions uh, Sinclair yeah. has been averaging right. over the last uh, three games of the season. They've also got Jesse Turner from Swan District, who, like uh, Sinclair, has started well this season, getting amongst the possessions and getting plenty of the football. Toby McQuilkin of South Ramandal, I reckon he's a good addition. Colton Folstrup, I'd have to say, as we go to our last item, is going to be unlucky to miss out. I mean, he is a player that has had. Some terrific shutdown jobs assigned to him, and he is past those with flying colours with his defensive ability. He is fantastic. Finally, before we go to our review of all the five games, Ashley Prescott ain't going anywhere. Sorry, Paul, anywhere. Just, like, be, I was,
0: your... I was just Sorry, before we get to um, Prescott, I was just um, interested to see that uh, Zach Clark wasn't um, named in this extended squad as well. I thought yeah. he was probably going to be one of the premier ruffians in the competition.
1: Yeah, I find that pretty interesting. I think he's a bit stiff to miss out with uh, with the boost that he's given Subiaco's midfield rotation, especially against Claremont mm. when they had Lee Kitchen pull out with hamstring soreness, no Snatten and no Gyro. I reckon Clark's a little bit unlucky.
0: Mm. I I, you, I just saw that there was a pretty glowing omission for me, especially like you know he, he might not make the, the 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 final squad, but just to see him in that extended squad, I found it a little bit
1: um, interesting. Yeah, it certainly was. But uh, Clark, still a great start to the season from him. Now, as we mentioned uh, just a few seconds Mm. ago, TC, Ashley Prescott ain't going anywhere. Like Billy Monaghan a few weeks ago, uh, the Claremont coach has signed an extension of two years that'll see him remain as a Tiger until the end of 2025. I'm not surprised by the move whatsoever. I mean, Ashley Prescott, he is the coach that can get Claremont to a premiership. Uh, You know, he's a bit unlucky not to win one before last year in 2022, but he's got the tools at his disposal. To get Claremont back to the top where they haven't been for a decade,
0: I think so too. I think mean, um, not not to, just talking about us. I think we're in a, a bit of a cycle in waffle footy where each side has got a really decent coach, and it's the same that you see in AFL as well. There's like a cycle that goes around, and I was at the footy on Friday night, the Dockers game. They were talking about JL. Obviously, um, if he's going to be sticking around the Dockers, then you're kind of thinking who could take over his role. It's a similar situation in the waffle. The cycle's just kind of not there. If you are going to get rid of a coach, who's going to come in and replace So, But I think it's a great signing for them. Ashley Prescott, a little bit similar to the East Room and Bill Monaghan thing. Did you, did you wait a little bit? I don't mind a coach having to play for his for his job a little bit. But I think good signing. And I, I do agree. I think he... he if someone is going to lead Claremont to another premiership in the next couple of years, he's the man to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he's a similar coach to Billy as well. I mean, studies the opposition in great detail and gets the best, especially out of his young players that are coming up through the ranks. And, you know, you talk about the experience that they've got in that side, Bolton, Buller, and so on and so forth. He gets the best out of them as well. So he's a tremendously disciplined coach. Uh, Maybe a premiership coach in uh, in twenty twenty three. Who knows? You know, he's striving to get up to the top after missing out last year. But uh, he has got everything at his disposal.
0: Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, looking forward to it, and you know, rewarding rewarding effort where it is. They've got to a great start to the season. Claremont. They, they've obviously got a lot of work to go. They obviously had the loss on the weekend. But yeah, I, I think it's reward for effort, and looking forward to seeing how their season plays out.
1: And that's where we're going to go to start our round review, reviewing all the five matches, Claremont. Even though the margin was 24 points, I was there at Leaderville Oval. I'm going to be blunt, it was a pretty ordinary effort. I mean, they were overusing handball in their defensive half for much of the game. They let uh, guys like Schofield, also Hickmott and Drew Rowe dictate the game in their defensive half. And in particular, Colton Tholstrup, who shut down Jai Bolton. But up forward, the depth is still there, especially with Kalgoorlie native Ryan Borshet who kicked five goals One in an outstanding performance up forward. Subiaco uh, victorious, ultimately, 14-10 to 10-10. But I'd have to say the margin should have been more with the way the Lions were controlling the game.
0: Yeah, well, a 24-point loss, they definitely had... um, It was was a pretty even game in terms of disposals. There's only literally two disposals between them, leaving Subiaco's way. We always talk about kind of Claremont, that's the... The style of footy they play, they like to use that handball. They use the ball a little bit more than than other waffle clubs. Um, but, yeah, 24 points, you'd be pretty disappointed if you're a Claremont fan heading into this game. Um, it was... it was, uh, I, I watched some of the highlights of this game. I haven't watched all of it. But Rogers with two goals to Claremont. Um, some of those... Jack Buller, he got four the week before. So you'd be wanting to see a little bit more out of him in the next couple of weeks. But good news if you're a Claremont fan. You've got the West Coast Eagles this weekend. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But great, um, great lead-in for them. They, they're going to get another uh, win on the board. Obviously, you wouldn't want to lose. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to lose against Subiaco a little bit later on in the year. I thought Claremont were going to head in this game and get the, the victory. But... Yeah, they've got the Eagles this weekend, so they'll bounce back. They'll be all right. Clean on them. They've got a a, a new signed coach, so there's uh, no no nerves there. So they get to play a bit freer. I reckon.
1: Well, they would need to bounce back immediately because at least eight to ten players, their best twenty-two, they were down on form on that Saturday game at Leaderville Oval. Rogers well, talked about only thirteen touches. Just... Bolton, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Bolton, so, 11, eleven touches, and he got taken the task. Time. 100%. So, you know,
0: you, you need some, they need some of those players there. Bailey Rogers only had 13 disposals as well. So, no, they, they need to really um, lift there. As, I'm just having a look down their stat sheet as well. Callum England, he was the, the, the highest disposal getter for the game with only 25. So, when you're getting 25 and you've got a lot of other players in there that are, you know, between 10 and 15 disposals for the game, they've got to lift there.
1: What about uh, Zach Clark? We talked about him uh, being a little bit stiff to miss out on state squad selection. He certainly proved why he deserves a trip to Adelaide. I mean, the performance he had, 31 uh, hitouts and 10 disposals, but gave a lot of opportunities to his fellow on-ballers to do a lot around the football as well. It's a great role that he has got over there at the Lions. Well, I don't know if
0: you recall what we were talking about last Thursday, Paul, in, in, when we were looking into this game a little bit more. As we said, Claremont would love to get first use of the footy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a premier ruckman like Zach Clark is, he had 44 disposals the week before. Obviously, getting the disposals that he had this week... Oh, sorry, hit outs that he had this week. He's obviously... Um, the, the, the Subiaco midfield is getting first use of the footy. And that puts Claremont on, on their back legs a little bit. They don't really know how to react because they want to get first use. They like using the ball a little bit more in the midfield. So it's no surprise that that happened. And if Zach Clark is... You know, getting 31 hit-outs a game, if he's averaging over 30, then the majority of the time going to be getting first hits of the ball. They can get it inside 50 faster. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that that happens. So teams that are coming up against Subiaco in in future rounds are going to have to work out a way to combat that
1: not only with Clark, but also with the potential returns of Gyro, Kitchen and Snadden, that's going to further strengthen what is a great Subiaco uh, midfield rotation. Great win to Subiaco. They, uh, they are maybe just outside the five-on percentage after three rounds, but uh, many now know what they are capable of after missing the five last year. South from Adel, Now they are back on level terms, TC. A strong win over <laughs> Peel thunder, 13-14 to 6-12. They started on negative eight, but it's a clean slate from here on in. It was a great win for the Bulldogs. I feel like a tool, Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, I thought people were going to get up and win this game and end up losing by almost 50 points. So yeah, the, I guess the biggest news to come out of this is um, the photos that were in the West Australian the other day, or the Sunday Times, I think it was, with um, uh, JL and um, Pierce having a bit of a chat at the front of this game. But yeah, I was expecting Peel to do a little bit better in this game. They really, um, they really struggled against South Fremantle. We spoke about how hard it is to get uh, to get the win over there. Um, Drakovic he was good for two goals. That Brennan Artie played really well as well for South Fremantle, but only one um, one goal apiece for the Pure Thunder players. They really, really struggled to try and find uh, goal scorers in this game. So yeah, oh, good to see South Fremantle. Um, back on that even playing term, um, but yeah, they've, they've got some tough games coming up as well. So yeah, we'll see how they go for the rest of the season. But like you said, good to see them back on the the playing uh, surface, uh, playing field. Sorry now. And I did have a conversation with someone who's involved at um, South Fremantle, and I did talk to them actually about this um, situation around the salary cap. And I think, and this is hard for me to say as an Fremantle person, but I think it got blown out of the water a little bit based on what I heard and if anyone's got any different please give me a call and talk to me through it but there was like one accounting error that went wrong and uh, yeah. apparently there was a coach that was supposed to get this um, you know this certification that he was supposed to get and, and there, was a, there was a lot of administration errors that went on there and that's nothing to do with Cameron Brit or anything like that it's just something that was overseen so from that point of view, it's good to see them back on an even playing field. And, Paul, um, I know I've been joking around with you a bit the last week or so about South Manor not making the finals, but if they keep playing the way they did on Saturday, then I can't
1: see them not. Well, this Saturday against the Swans, their season starts from zero. I mean, forget all the, the past uh, exactly. three rounds. All the impact of the uh, salary cap breach has been forgotten. Even Dylan Main said uh, in the paper on Monday, said, that uh, the eight-point penalty didn't really worry them that much. You know, They just wanted to focus on you know, getting a good brand of footy going, getting some good wins on the board. They've done that, and now their season can start from zero. Speaking of Maine, he was sensational, leading the side from the front, 23 disposals mm. and 11 tackles. He was fantastic. But you, you made a good point. Peel struggled for goals. Why? Chad Pearson. Yeah. I mean, there is no bigger defensive threat, I would say, in the waffle than Chad Pearson at the present time. You know, you put him along the likes of, Colton Tholstrup and also Noah Pegararo of West Perth, just the way he's able to get first to the football and get those tackles in, but also his intercept marking. And I'd put him alongside Brandon Ursek as well among the best intercept markers in the competition. Eleven marks he had in that game to go with his uh, twenty-eight disposals. He really shut uh, the Peel Thunder forward line down on Saturday. Yeah. Well,
0: oh, it just goes to show that um, they, they had six individual goal scorers. I think it was, and they only got one one goal. Um, for each of them. It says a lot, but South Fremantle, they've got Swan Districts this weekend, and then round five um, they've got uh, Subiaco. So they've got um, two pretty tough games. You wouldn't really want to be taking on Swan Districts this weekend, but the beauty is they're playing at Fremantle Oval, and then obviously the week after they've got um, Subiaco. So two really tough weeks. It's the kind of barometer test that um, South Fremantle would need at the moment heading into the first couple of rounds of this season, but like I said, glad to see them back where they are, especially after what I heard. Made had a really in-depth conversation with someone at lunch on Friday about this, who's in the inner sanctum there, and yeah, it's good to see them back.
1: Now we go to the Saturday night game, East Perth and Perth over at Mineral Resources Park. East Perth 3-0, a big 11-goal win over the Demons, 17-13, 2-6-11. I don't think there was any surprise about the result when you look at the gap between the no. two sides at the present time. It's a massive gap. East Perth we love to see them back in form. They are 3-0, and and look at the players they have firing on all cylinders. Mitch Crowden, 28 touches. Stanley Wright, 25. Angus Michael Schumacher, 32. Yes, I'm going to nickname him Michael because he was quick like Michael when he was driving for Ferrari in <laughs> Grand Prix racing. Uh, Hamish Brayshaw and uh, Tommy North with 26 touches. Tommy North, I mean, I have to say, he should be... I was having a look at the paper on Monday... And how the hell he's not higher in their power rankings, I would love to know. 12 marks to go with his 26 touches. And he was able to do a little bit more further up the ground as well. He played a little bit in midfield and saw Mm. plenty of the footy and showed his class when disposing when uh, East Perth were going into attack. He is a player that not only can play defence, but also can play mid to the best of his ability. Solid player.
0: Yeah. The one that stands out for me, Paul, uh, like, like you mentioned, Angus Scott, 36 disposals was fantastic. And, and 22 of them kicks as well for East Perth. That's pretty impressive. But what I want to ask you, Paul, is you've got Charlie Thompson, 29 disposals for Perth. You've got uh, Corey Bryn, 29, 26 for Michael Sinclair, 25 for Regan Clark and Trent Manzoni, 26 as well. And Jack Cooley, he had 25. So you've got a lot of players over 20. There's a couple more in there too that I've gone through. Um But it just looks like they overused the footy a little bit. Um, Just really, when you've got players, a lot of players like that, that have a lot of disposals when a lot of them are hand passes as well um, and not many kicks, it just shows to me that they're overusing the footy a bit.
1: Well, some can say they were overusing it, but also they were using it, but not very efficiently. I mean, when you look at the accuracy, 56.6%. To 35.2, that's another story that can be told of this game. Perth, they got plenty of the footy, but they weren't using it effectively. That goes back to their round one performance against Subiaco. Despite having a 20-point lead, they when they were getting the ball inside 50, they weren't kicking to their targets. All they were seeing were East Perth players at the front of the football when the ball was going towards per- Perth's forward 50. And yes, Thompson, mm. he got plenty of it. So did uh, Connor McPartland. So did Corey Byrne. But they weren't using it efficiently. It's one thing to get just get the football. It's another thing to use it efficiently when going inside 50. Perth, they still have trouble doing that. And if I was Peter German, even though, it's yes, it's a long-term thing, You've got to have issues in your team where you've got to address those immediately if you want to get a win on the board, and it's it's not going to get any easier. You've got yeah. East Fremantle at the Whacker of, uh, this coming weekend. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Um, the other thing that stands out to me in this game, Paul, was um, the hitouts forty one to twenty two in favour of East Perth, and Scott Jones led the way for East Perth thirty five hitouts as well. So. Yeah, they played really well. Great to see them on top of the uh the ladder as well, sitting first up there. Um so yeah, they've got plenty more work to do throughout the season. Will they be there um come the end of the ladder? We will see. Um but yeah, to sit free and free, I'm sure East Perth fans are very, very happy about that.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. And I think the well, a lot of the plaudits would go to their new coach, Ross McQueen, he has got them galvanized at this stage in the season to a winning combination and yeah, these three wins were against sides that weren't in the five. Of course, Swan's back in round one against mm. a side that should have made the five last year. They can tackle the best in the competition with the players that they've got and how yep. they're playing their football. Ross McQueen, great coach. If they keep on going with uh, with the, with good, strong wins like that, they could be in the five uh, before you know it. Now, what about this one, TC? Steel, blue oval. Well, right, we sorry, said I was on... just going to say, Paul. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, they've obviously got um, Subia, um, sorry, uh, East Perth. have obviously got Peel this weekend, which is a very... Uh, it is a winnable game for them. And then the, the following weekend, they've got Clam on as well at Revo Fitness. So that will be a real test for them. So to see how they played round five, it will be interesting to see how they go against Peel next week. But I think their first real test of the season comes at round five at Revo.
1: That will be a beauty, Make No mistake about that. Now, speaking of great games... What about this one? Swan Districts and West Perth. We said last Thursday that this one was game of the round. It proved to be seven points the margin in favour of West Perth. And just before we go into detail, this is a fascinating stat. Have a look at this. The margin, not just in the league game, but in the Colts and Reserves. I'll give you three guesses as to what they were. Oh, I
0: could probably probably look them up,
1: but (laughs) I I didn't have a look at the, the, the Colts. What was it? It was seven points in the Colts and in the reserves, and it's only the fifth time in league history that uh, the margin has been shared the same in all three games.
0: Yeah, wow. Fifth time. Yeah, that, that's – well, it's pretty hard to do, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. You don't set out to do that, but, yeah, no, that is fascinating.
1: But this game in particular, I mean, Swans started well. They had the runs on the board. They had players playing to their roles, Turner in particular, 36 touches. But then all of a sudden – West Perth, they just slowly reeled the Swans back into the game. They were showing more desperation. They were much more polished with their disposal in, into attack. And then Tyler Keitel and Nathan Murray coming to life in the second half, bringing the Falcons uh, in front and uh, snatching the game from them. It was uh, an unbelievable win.
0: And I'm pretty sure from memory you said you are at this game, um, Paul, but Shane Nelson, 40 disposals as well. We, we did tap this is the game of the round, and it definitely proved to be so, but like I mentioned at the top of this podcast, you would be spewing if you're a Swan District fan to lose oh, two yeah. games this early in the season, um, against well sides that you probably Eastern Man or I know they played they played really well, but the Swans probably would have pinned that as a game that they probably would have won at home. But it's very, very rare that they do lose the two at home. I was watching that kind of watching the stats of this game as it was going when I was at the West Coast Eagles game, but yeah, you would be you would be screwing in this one. Um the disposal counts, you know, West Perth just were were all over it in this one. Way more kicks than Swan Districts as well. The handballs are pretty even in this one, hit outs are pretty it was just a real classic, a real cracker game to, to watch. The accuracy was pretty much bang on, exactly the same. The yeah, it was just a, what was it like being there, Paul?
1: I'll tell you what, the atmosphere was fantastic. There was much more than 1,300 as uh, the crowd figure was slated. There was much more than that. The can bar was filled to the brim as expected. The extra player was there in full force. Great atmosphere. They enjoyed the footy. And the game, you know, echoed that sentiment. I mean, this was a game where these were teams that I still think will make the five. There's no doubt about that. West Perth, guaranteed, Swan Districts, they'd be so unlucky. Think about this, 1.4 points and 7 points. They have lost by in their first three games. You'd be spewing, like you said, as a, uh, if you are a Swan Districts fan, to not have yeah. one win on the board from those three games. Especially when the side that you've got on paper is capable of making the five. I mean, but there was one play for the Swans just quickly. I'd love yeah. to talk about Jackson McLaughlin making his debut, a mm. sparkling debut at that. Played in bursts in the midfield, uh, twenty-two disposals, and wasn't afraid to get physical Seven tackles. His ferocity at the coalface was just yeah. brilliant. I see a bright future for Jacko.
0: And kicking a goal, too. So, mm. yeah, great work by him. But that seven tackles, that's just huge pressure. So great to see uh, him yeah, step out and, and do that, too. Um, you, you, you talk about Swan Districts and West Perth being in the finals. Um, the, the fascinating thing that's going to shape up with this final situation, Paul, is I reckon the top three are kind of there, four to six. Whoever's in that sixth position, I reckon, come the end of the season is going to be really unlucky. So I reckon that, that four to six, how that plays out, will be fascinating as the year goes on. Because like you said, the Swan Districts are going to be there. You reckon South is going to be there? I reckon they'll probably be there too. But then you've got Fremantle, Claremont, West Perth, and then you've also got East Perth sitting there as well. How's that all going to play out? So I reckon those top six, the way I think it's going to shape out, and I think you probably agree with me a little bit, Paul, it will be fascinating to see that play out. and. Yeah, the one thing I want to say as well about this whole Canva situation, I've got that to, to raise as well. I got a text from our, our old mate Muppet on our Friday <laughs> afternoon saying that I stole, his, um, I stole his extra man thing. And I just want to say Muppet and I texted him and I said the exact same thing. My dad is a massive Swans man. He's been saying that for the last 30 years. So it's not your line, Muppet. It's everyone's line. and We can all use this. They go and use it on another podcast or they use it on another show. That's totally fine, Muppet. Just let him have it.
1: <laughs> oh, good on you, Muppet. We, we love his passion. He, he's a, a mad West <laughs> Perth but Who can blame him? And it uh, was glad to have him on the first episode just quietly, by the way, too. Well, good on you, Muppet. hope you enjoyed the game. You did uh, Just stop. Just on West Perth, um, the way they played the game after quarter time, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as polished as what we would have expected. But the way they were just reeling them in, getting those goals in, they only trailed by a goal at half time, and only within two points at three quarter time. At the three quarter time break, with the way Nelson, Johnson, Keitel, and Murray were going, I was sensing that okay, West Perth could steal this game with the way they were polishing up the Swans with their ball use and their pressure at the mm. goal face. Then all of a sudden, they kick those they, yeah. they have those quick goals at their disposal and then they hit the front. But at three-quarter time, I was sensing, okay, they're fired up. Swan Districts, on the other hand, they look gone. They look gone. They couldn't do anything more. They did everything they could up to three-quarter time and then all of a sudden, they stopped. Even though they kicked three goals to four in that last quarter, it seems as though they, they'd ran out of legs.
0: Yeah, body language is a big one as well, Paul. Um I saw some photos of the, the body language at three-quarter time and some people at Swan District's are uh, still will send me some photos. Um, this is Some other podcasts and things I've done, always big on body language. So it, it, it says a lot. Just to, before we move off this game, Paul, did the Sunday Times or the West Australian report 1,300 at this game?
1: Yes, they did. But uh, where I was at the ground, there was much more than
0: 1,300, mate. Well, I'm just looking now at the uh, Waffle website. They, they've reported almost 2,400.
1: Which is pretty good, you know, for a Sunday game. Unbelievable. That's very good. Very good.
0: So 2,377 is what, what the Waffles reporting were there. Um, There's a great turnout for a um, for a Sunday afternoon game.
1: And it goes back to what we mentioned at the top of the podcast, Sunday games, they are good. Get more eyeballs in, and that links back to the win-win waffle promotion that the Commission have been embarking on. Mm. I reckon this game is a prime example as to why the win-win waffle is a big W, a big win so far this season. Yeah,
0: totally agree. I reckon if, if, if you get an average 2,000 people to a waffle game over that, that's a, that, that in my books is a win for the waffle for the season.
1: Yeah, and there's there's no doubt about that. Okay, let's go to the last game for the round. Mineral Resources Park on Sunday. East Fremantle, no surprise whatsoever. 25-11 to 8-5-53. East Fremantle, another big percentage boosting win. But, of course, the story at West Coast was the return of the unsung mm. hero himself, Will <laughs> Schofield. There was a lot that converged on Mineral Resources Park just to see him play. First game in two years. Yeah, it was good. It was good to
0: see. Um, he was lippy. I'll tell you what, he was lippy. And there was a couple of times that he turned some players from Eastman and inside out, you know, the little fake shake and bake. I, I kind of liked it from Will Schofield. Obviously, only the eight disposals, though, eight kicks. Um, but he did get that goal. So that was um, that was really good. And, and I, I think I've read somewhere or I heard him say that he reckons it was a hanger. Um, I think it was Mark Reddings who said it was more of a chest mark. <laughs> I'll, let them, I'll let them all debate that. But um, oh. no, it was the the third quarter. Like I said, from from the Eagles was really really good. Eastern Mantle, I don't know if they took the, the foot off the uh, the uh, the foot off the pedal a little bit there, uh, if they knew that they were going to do it. But the the fact is, they would have gone into this game, Eastern Mantle, knowing that they're going to win it, and that gets a little bit nervous, I reckon, when you when you're taking on a team like that, because you, you, you can let the, let it off a little bit. But like I said, Will Skope had played really really well. Um, Joshua Brown for the Eagles played really well in this game too. He had twenty, uh, sorry, he had 30 disposals for him. And uh, Jackson Nelson as well, 29 disposals for the West Coast Eagles. But the yeah, Eastern Mantle just totally outshone um, uh, them as well. But if you look at the Eastern Mantle side of things, um, great, work, great work by a lot of their players. Tom, Tom Bennett, he had 27 disposals. Kyle Baskerville, he had 34 for the Sharks. And uh, Tom Joyce and Milan Murdoch were outstanding uh, oh, for yeah. Eastern Manor And Milan has just really come into his own in the Eastern amount midfield as well. So great to see him playing. Uh, John O'Marsh he got 20 disposals for the game. We said that he was going uh, kick to a, kick a bag. Um, and he only got two. But five goals to Cody Leggett as well for Eastern Manor. So it was a pretty well-rounded performance. I know Bill Monaghan wasn't happy with the third quarter. Like I said, they really just let their foot off a little bit there, but um, they'll be looking to bounce back. They got Perth this weekend, very winnable game for them at the Wacker. They've turned that into a bit of a fortress. So, yeah, just can, trying to continue that form. And I know Bill wanted me to be playing full. full. Uh, four full quarters of footy.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Four full quarters uh, of footy. Yeah, they took their foot off the gas in the third quarter. They had a big margin to play with, so I'll cut them a little bit of slack this week. Murdoch, they—he was you can't to do that.
0: Any any team, you get nervous though when when you do that. When oh, you, yeah. I like to see, I like to see a team, and I'm glad this is also a visual medium poll, but I like to see a team just put their foot on the neck of the the team that they're playing against and. We we see it at AFL level a lot, but I I just think you've got to play consistent footing. And whenever you start letting a team in a little bit because you're, you're 80 points, 70 points up or whatever it is, that's when bad habits can start to form. So I reckon you just keep going, you keep trying new different things, but you never take your foot off the gas.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point you make, because if you take your foot off the gas at any stage in the game, those nerves could come in and bite you in the bum, especially in the fourth quarter. Having said that, though, you know, against the West Coast Eagles side that has a lot of young players, they're still gelling. And, you know, they did kick eight goals in the last quarter, so they got back into the habit of playing aggressive footy, but... You make a good point. They've got a couple of big games coming up. Perth, yeah, that's winnable. And West Perth in round five, which is going to be an absolute ripper. But they have the players that can really get things going uh, for four quarters. I mean, you talked about Bennett. You talked about Murdoch. He was sensational, 33 touches. Mm. Cody Leggett. Leggett, I reckon, is picking up where Marsh left off because I'm sensing that Monaghan wants to have Marsh maybe play a little further up the ground, maybe a bit of half forward, a little bit of midfield because he got a lot of the ball. Cody Leggett returning from a long spell with injury. that uh, He missed a lot of league uh, yeah. during the second half of the season. Leggett comes back, five goals. They've got their next prime forward, Cody Leggett. He's going to be a valuable weapon up forward with those five goals. If he can keep kicking bags against top sides in the next couple of weeks, uh, especially that game against West Perth in round five, then all, all the things will start to align for East Fremantle as they aim to be, yeah. once again, a top three side in 2023.
0: But just looking at this, Paul, and I got there at halftime at this game. The Eagles won that third quarter. They they kicked four goals in it to East was two goals one. So they were they were all over them in that third quarter. But just 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 to show how one sided the rest of this game was, Paul, um, four hundred and five disposals to East to two hundred and sixty five um, to the West Coast Eagles. That was huge. The other thing um, out of this too, I've just written down here. This game was. Cam Eardley obviously played his 150th the week prior. He didn't play in this game. I haven't heard any news, but he was actually at the game. So I don't know if he was just rested for this one or what the case was. I'm trying not to rely on some of my sources at East Remantle as much, but I'll I'll try and find out what the situation is there. We we might find some news out before we have a chat on Wednesday about this. But I just found it interesting that he wasn't playing, but he was at the game and he looked fine. He was walking around like everything was, was okay. So... I don't know if they were just risking him because it was a game that they could easily win. I know he's a little bit older and all of that kind of stuff. He does see as a school teacher. So he goes back to school this week, maybe just a little bit of a break. I don't know. But I just found it interesting that he was on the sideline not playing.
1: Yeah, very interesting story. You know, like you said, 150th game in that win over the Swans in round two, not playing round three. I don't usually assume, but you'd assume that they would manage Mm. him, especially for the next two weeks because they got their first game at home and then Of course, a big game against West Perth. That one will be expected to be a clash for maybe top spot on the ladder as it was uh, last year in round Mm. eight. Okay, TC, let's get into the votes. Player of the Year votes for round three. Of course, this is our award for the best WAFL player of season 2023. At the end of round 20, the player with the most votes will be awarded the Player of the Year. One vote, Chad Pearson of South Fremantle. I said this earlier. Chad Pearson, the most immense defensive threat in the competition at the moment. He played his game magnificently, 11 marks inside defensive 50, and even shifted up the ground a little bit and saw a lot of the football. Two votes. Cody Leggett of East Fremantle, his five-goal bag, just outstanding. Valuable spark up forward, and the way he's able to find an opening, get the ball out of the cold face, find some space, and especially with those round-the-corner kicks, he is magnificent, a job well done to him. Three votes. Tom North of East Perth. He is in prime form, TC. Need I say more? His performance uh, instrumental in another big win for the Royals. Four votes. Colton Tholstrup of Subiaco shutting down Jai Bolton. It's usually the hardest task when you're playing on a player like Jai Bolton, who not only gets a lot of the football, but exerts a lot of physical pressure helping out his side. But Tholstrup's job in keeping Bolton to 11 touches, just outstanding. And my five votes, the the around-the-waffle top gun of round three, Shane Nelson (laughs) of West Perth. (laughs) That's right, Shane Nelson of the Falcons. I mean, he is showing why age is just a number out there on the football field. 40 disposals, five marks, seven tackles, and six inside 50s. He, dare I say it, was the cornerstone of West Perth's comeback uh, after after quarter time. The way he used the football, the way he crashes through the packs, and his first tour providing centre clearances for West Perth just outstanding. Now, the leaderboard after round three. We do have an outright leader. Go. Yep. And that is Tom North of East Perth with eight votes. Ben Sokol and Shane Nelson are tied on five. On four is Jack Buller, Will Brody, and Colton Tholstrup. On three, Tyler Keitel and Jai Bolton. On two, Cody Leggett and Milan Murdoch from East Fremantle. Chad Pearson of uh, – Jimmy Miller, I should say, of South Fremantle also has two. And on a single vote, Chad Pearson – Aidan Clark and Carl Warner. That's the leaderboard after round three. TC. Yeah,
0: um, I, I actually I haven't spoken to you about this, Paul, but I'm actually trying to work on a prize for the um, for the, the winner of this. I think we might have one coming up. So, yeah, I it, and it might be a, w- a prize worth playing for as well. But um, yeah, it's been a great year. Tom North has been great from East Perth. Shane Nelson, of course, you couldn't go past him with the uh, five votes for this weekend. Good to see Jack Buller up there, and he's been rewarded with his state um, side again. So, um, yeah, great great uh, top five for this week. And yeah, like I said, you've got to be winning footy Paul, to make sure you're in the, uh, the top five. So, yeah, great, great top five by you this week. I love
1: it. Thank you very much. Of course, we'll keep it going in round four next Tuesday when we review the fourth round of the WAFL season. Now, before we go, TC, you mentioned at the beginning you're tipping. I'm afraid for you, it was a nightmare.
0: <laughs> it wasn't great. We'll, we'll we'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, uh, I'll try and redeem myself on Thursday when we have a chat. But yeah, it, it was not great. I tried to go a few roughies, uh, but yeah, no, it was it wasn't. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that again.
1: <laughs> just a reminder: four to two. You can thank me later.
0: <laughs> um, now, before we go, Paul, I've uh, just just a little bit of news going around the waffle at the moment. Oh yes, um, and of have of course, happy Anzac Day to everyone, um, too, as we're recording this on Anzac Day. Um, we obviously couldn't be here doing what we're doing in love, Paul, if it wasn't for all the people that went off and fought for our for our country and, and, and to give Absolutely. us the great life that we have. But um, I hear that West Coast, obviously, we know they're struggling, uh, are looking to try and find some players to come in and help them. I'm under. I'm under the understanding that they've been speaking to a couple of AFL players that were delisted by AFL teams last year. There's a couple of names going around the place, but I will just say, uh, would not be surprised if um, Quinton Narkle plays a couple of games of waffle footy this
1: year. Quinton Narkle, of course, part of the the great footballing family, the Narkles. Uh, Phil Narkle, amongst those, but Quinton Narkle, that is an interesting one, but. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully have more details if they come to hand before Thursday's episode, mm. and we'll bring them uh, to our listeners and viewers on Thursday in our preview episode. Cool. Well, obviously, delisted by Geelong at the end of last year. Um, but right. they just need, they need all the
0: help they can get. And he is uh, – I think he was um, from memory, I think he is 26. He'd be 26, 26 – 25 or 26, I reckon – Um, So, there is a chance he he wants to play good footy, and there might be a chance that he gets back into the AFL. But, you know, if he was to sign with the Eagles and play on their Waffles side, um, you know, he's getting looked at all the time by them. There might be a chance that he can go back. I don't know if that's in his thinking at all. But, yeah, just hearing along the grapevine that the Eagles are looking at a couple of delisted players from 2022 around the AFL, and um, that name, Quinton Narkle, has come up a
1: couple of times. Well, we'll uh, have more on this story uh, as developments come about over the next couple of days. Of course, our preview episode on Thursday will uh, hopefully shed some more light on that developing story. TC, great job from you as always, mate. I'll, uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Thank you. See you then, Paul. And to our listeners and viewers, we really thank you for your company on another great edition of Around the Waffle. Don't forget, tune in Thursday. We'll preview Round 4. It's another big weekend of WAFL footy. You can uh, give us a like on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. That's where you'll find us on our socials. We uh, really appreciate all the support so far in the 2023 season. Keep those likes coming. Thanks, Tyler. Great job from you and to our listeners. We'll see you next time for our preview of Round 4.
0: Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast creator network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.